0: Okay, good evening everyone the subject of tonight is customs of Rosh Hashanah so we're going to look at a couple of customs of Rosh Hashanah and then please God see what we can extrapolate in terms of creating a bridge a bridge for us to travel across this journey and in order to achieve that success that we all badly want So in Rosh Hashanah, there's one very interesting custom we'll begin with. And that is a Gemara Yerushalmi, right? are two Babli, there's two Gemaras. There's a Talmud that was compiled in Yerushalayim. And there's a Talmud that was compiled in Babel in Iraq. The one in Yerushalayim that was compiled was much more succinct. And the one that was later compiled in Babel that spoke it out much more. So the Rosh tells us something very interesting. It says a person who sleeps on Rosh Hashanah. His muzzle will sleep. What does that mean? It's a person who sleeps on Rosh Hashanah. It does not bode well for him. And so to speak his muzzle, his future. What's going to be with him? Well sleep. It won't be very good. What is the understanding behind this? So There is another source, which I think opens this up more. In the book of Jonah, the book of Jonah, where we learn about the great Navi, the great prophet Jonah, who was given a prophecy that he needed to travel all the way to the city of Nineveh. That was the main city of the kingdom of Ashur of Assyria. And they were bitter enemies of the Jewish people. And Hashem told him to go and give the prophecy that in 40 days, the entire place is going to be destroyed unless they do teshuvah, unless they come back to Hashem. And Yohannah didn't want to do this. You know why? Because he reasoned the following The Jews were also sinning. If these wicked people do any level of teshuvah, that's going to create a judgment on the Jewish people in Shemayin. Because the prosecuting angel is going to say, Look at these people, they don't have prophets. They're not Hashem's close, uh, you know, children. And yet they do Teshuvah. How can the Jews who are, and they receive all the blessings of Hashem, that don't do Teshuvah, it's going to create a judgment on us. So Yonah, through his unbelievable love of the Jewish people, decided to put himself in a situation where he couldn't receive prophecy. So he went on a ship with Oivda Vodazorah, with idolaters, into the sea where you get seasick, outside of the land of Israel. How's Hashem going to, Can I talk to me now? He'll choose someone else, but I'm not going to be an instrument to cause the Jews judgment upon themselves. Now, what happened was, Hashem caused the storm to go only around the ship, nothing else. So you could be on the ship, you could see ships in the distance with clear skies, but the storm was only there. And what does Yonah do? He goes down to his cabin and he goes to sleep. So the captain of the ship asked everybody to dove him. To their idols or wherever they davened. And then he decided to go through the ship to see if there's any shirkers. And he found Yoina. And he said to Yoina, Malachan, Nirdom, how can you be sleeping? Don't you see the storm? Get up and pray. Says the Zora Kodesh on that. How can you sleep when there's a judgment upon us? And that's the idea over here. That Rosh Hashanah is a day when Hashem judges, not only the Jewish people, but the entire world. How can you go to sleep when you're being judged? Imagine a court case. And the defendant comes into court and he decides, you know what? I'm a bit bored over here. And he pulls out a cushion. He lies down, sticks his feet up and goes to sleep. What does that show? It's contempt for the court. So, therefore, the custom is not to sleep in Rosh Hashanah. Now, what do you mean not to sleep? I've got to go 48 hours without having a shlof. No. What it means is, is not to sleep by day. There's a difference between night sleep and day sleep. Night sleep is a sleep that you sleep because every time you need sleep at night. But a day sleep is more as a relaxation, as an enjoyment of the day, as a rest. You don't normally get that during the day. And Rosh Hashanah, it's inappropriate to do that. That's the, uh, that's the custom over there. However, the Chayyadim writes that a person whose bottle is wasting his time is like he's sleeping. So a person is just so tired. He should have a short sleep just enough to give him energy and then get up and learn. And say to heal him and whatever else in the day. What is the philosophy behind this? So one thing we see over here is that on the one hand, Rosh Hashanah is the Yom Tev, where we gather together and we sing and we daven. And we are coming to a Baruch Hu with unbelievable honor. But at the same time, we have to be wary that it's the day of judgment. And they commands upon us to be different from other Yom Tevim. Other Yom Tevim, you sleep in the afternoon, you relax. It's an enjoyment. Shabbos, you enjoy in the afternoon, you relax, you enjoy. But Rosh Hashanah, you've got to know that every moment counts. And therefore, Chaperay, use your time. I remember in Yeshiva, after the doubling, it was very long. We ate lunch, and then we went back to the base mandrash for learning. If we managed, if we could manage it. Right? Why? Because it's a time to Chaperay. And just by showing this, you are giving credence to the HaKadosh Baruch judgment. You're recognizing it. And that in itself will create a tremendous positive merit for all of the Jewish people. It's interesting because in today's time, we don't like this. What do I mean we don't like this? We like to have things that are easy. We like to have things that don't command so much of us. We enjoy it. When we can relax, chill, but to push us a little bit, not so much. Right? To give an example, you know, a person, let's say, hasn't been exercising. And now he just starts to exercise and he's got a trainer. And the trainer's working him hard. And every day he comes home and he's got sore arms and sore legs. And he feels, why should I do this? But the trainer tells him, you got to work yourself up. You've got to build those muscles. There's nothing less in Yiddishkeit when it comes to Rukhnias. You've got to build those muscles as well, which means you've got to stretch yourself a little bit. You know, when a person feels, like I can only reach this, I need to push myself more. And therefore, in Rosh Hashanah, Hashem sends to us, push a little bit more. Push a little bit more. Put in more effort. Oh, you woke up, you daven, it's a long davening, you're in shul for so long. Try and do something productive in order to keep yourself busy for the sake of our Kaddish Baruch This is one of the, the themes of our day of Rosh Hashanah. Taking your time and utilizing it appropriately. It's interesting, one time Rebbe Kiva Eiger, one of the Gedolei Israel, once encountered a group of Jews who were just, you know, just playing and wasting time. And when they saw him, they turned to him and said, Rabbi, we're just killing time. He was so upset. Can you think about it? We're just killing time. Imagine a person has a treasure. And he takes the treasure and he decides, I'm just going to chuck it into the water. (laughs) Throw it into the sea. You think he's mad. Time is our greatest treasure. Because with every moment we can utilize it. So that's the first idea. The minag of not sleeping is not just a minag of refraining from. It's putting ourselves into the psyche of I'm going to stretch more for Hashem. Second minag is we do not say Hallel on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And the Gemara asks why? Because the rule is when I come to a Yom Tiv where there's an Isur Malachah, where I'm not allowed to do creative activities, Right? I can't turn on lights. I can't um, write. And things like that. So then I should say Hallel on that day as well. That's what the Gemara says. However the Gemara says we can't. Why? So Hashem says. That the angels asked. Why aren't the Jews saying Hallel? Hashem says on the day. Where the books of life and death are open before them. They're going to say Shira. They're going to sing Hallel. Now. The problem with this is anyone who goes to a Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Davening, there's lots of singing. We sing beautiful tunes. We sing the piyutim. We sing these beautiful, beautiful poems that our rabbis went ahead and they composed for us. in The most beautiful way. So why is it that we're not going to sing a halal? The answer is, there's a difference between singing a song... And hallel, hallel means to go wild with joy. Says Rav Miller from the word hallelus, almost like foolishness. You go wild with joy; it's got a different, a different vibe to it. And for that, it's inappropriate because we have to realize we're in the position where we are being judged. What's going to be the year? To, the year that's coming up. So we refrain from that. But we do sing at the table, the Yomteb table. We do sing in our Twitters like Kdush and the piyutim. But when it comes to Hallel, we have to refrain. What do we see over here? Very important in terms of our angle and how we reflect on this day. We're going to dress up and we're going to be dignified. We're going to control ourselves not to go wild But at the same time, we're going to crown Hashem as king. It's almost like a ceremony where you come and there's going to be a presentation. You don't start dancing wildly then. You watch, you honor it, you're quiet, you clap, you might say mazel tov. But at the end of the day, you're going to limit yourself that you're not going to lose yourself. That we may sometimes do on a Pesach Shmuel Sukkot's. But not on Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. Rosh Hashanah Kippur, we're going to realize this is a serious day of honor and privilege, and we, die, we joy, rejoice with Hashem. We don't dance, we don't go on. So that's the second aspect. The second aspect is there has to be dignity. Today's time, we miss this a lot because even on formal occasions, it's not so formal anymore. People feel nothing with uh, rocking up an important occasion in shorts or t-shirts. They feel nothing about uh, you know rocking up at an occasion and just making jokes the whole time. There has to be a feeling that this is an important occasion which requires discipline, respect, and honor. Today we're missing a lot of this. Today, you know, even at the uh, at coronation. Of King Charles. And even when it comes to presidential coronations. They still get the people who poke fun. And, and joke and whatever. That's not the vibe that we want. When we coronate our king. HaKadosh Baruch. Third custom over here. Is the custom on first day of Rosh Hashanah. After Mincha, We go to a body of water. To do the custom of Tashlik. Tashlik means to throw something out. Very strange custom. We walk to a body of water. Whether it's a river. The sea. And if we haven't got that. If we've got a spring. A stream. If not that. Some people use a swimming pool. Or a fish tank. What are we doing over here? And we recite prayers. And we shake our pockets. And symbolically say we're throwing our sins into the water. What's going on over here? So Chazal, our rabbis tell us. That there was a very special event that took place on Rosh Hashanah. And that was the Akedah Yitzhak, the 10th test of Avram Avinu. When Avram was asked to offer up his only son as a sacrifice. Going against everything he had been teaching for the last decades that child sacrifice is forbidden and now he's asked to sacrifice his own son and not only that but his son was the most precious thing to him in the world and he's asked to sacrifice that and what happened was and this you have to look in the verses to see is that Hashem didn't say take him up and sacrifice him now he said go take him to this place and Avram Avinu had to travel three days to this place Can you imagine 72 hours of traveling with your son and knowing what you need to do? Can you imagine that? But Chazal tell us it wasn't just an easy walk. The Satan, the prosecuting angel, came and tried to dissuade him and appeared in the form of a man saying, What are you doing? Are you mad? You're going to kill your son? And Avram Avinu ignored it and walked on. And then the Satan came and made a big river come in front of them that went all the way up to their necks. And Avamabinu dove to Hashem, and then Hashem made it go away, and he was able to walk through. And because of that water that the Satan used to try and dissuade him on the time of the Akedah. so on Rosh Hashanah. We go to a body of water and say we're symbolically throwing away our sins. What are we throwing away? You know what we're throwing away? We're throwing away that yetzahora, that thought and that voice in our minds that says to us, it's not worth it to serve Hashem. It's not worth it to do what Hashem's doing. This is crazy. That's what we're doing over here. This is what our Kodesh Baruch is telling us. Something unbelievable. We go to the water and say, just like I'm who ignored the Satan and he marched on. The water didn't stop him. Even if it seems he's going to drown if he serves Hashem, I don't care. I'm going to go and do it. We're going to go to the water and we're going to take our egos, our innuendos, our biases, our agendas, and throw them into the water. This is probably one of the most beautiful things we can do on the day of judgment. Because a person is so enslaved to his own wants and desires. It's so difficult sometimes to see the wood from the trees. But a Baruch in His kindness has given us, given us the opportunity 48 hours where we can spend the time davening and crowning him as king and making sure that nothing else stops us from serving him. It's a fascinating question that Yosef Albo asks. Yosef Albo wrote the book, The Sefer Ikrim. Sefer ikrim magnificent work on the principles of Yiddishkeit. And if Yosef Alboy says that we had two kings, the beginning of the Jewish people, King Shaul and King David. Shaul made a mistake and he lost the kingship. David made a mistake and he retained the kingship for him and his children after him. What was the mistakes? Shaul was asked to wipe out the nation of Amalek. And he wiped them out, but he left the king and he left the animals. And through the king, Amalek continued on to this day. Tobin HaMelech made a mistake in that he took Bathsheba before the time was right. Even though she was divorced and even though he was entitled to send her husband to the battlefield because he disobeyed him. Nevertheless, he was criticized by the Navi and navi. So why is it, Oso verse Al? boy if they both made mistakes, why does David retain the kingship and Shaul doesn't? And he comes with a principle that, in my opinion, separates the men from the boys. Because what was the reaction when they were told off by the prophet? When Shaul was told off, he said, no, I have done the will of Hashem. Only later did he finally reconsider and realize his error. David Amalek's words were, I have sinned to God. He didn't make excuses. And he had every right to make excuses because there were so many excuses. Like the Gemara says, the one who said that David Amalek sinned is making a mistake. This is the difference. When a Jew can take responsibility, he's like a king. And that's why David could retain the kingship because that's what a king's about. Whereas, by Shoah Melech, since he denied it, you could no longer be the king. When a Jew is able to face up and say, Yes, I made a mistake, I sinned, I did wrong, take it like a man and take responsibility for it, then everything changes. But if he's going to go into the world of denial, then not. The of a brings down that in today's time, unfortunately, we live in a society which is full of victim mentality. I can tell you as a teacher, I teach children. I have taught children who have a victim mentality and some of the parents have victim mentalities. There are people that we encounter all the time that everybody's against me. The world owes me a living. I don't care what a person goes through. At the end of the day, you've got to lift your head up and take responsibility. Got to lift up your head and say, Yes, I'm going to make something of myself. And it sounds very cruel and harsh to say that. But I want to say that when a person accepts that Hashem's given me this this lot in life, And I'm going to make something from it. That person is going to fly. But a person who keeps on blaming. He's never going to get anywhere in life. Kodesh Bar who wants us to take responsibility. So we've got three customs. We've got the custom of not sleeping on Rosh Hashanah afternoon. Because Rosh Hashanah is a time we have to really work hard. And use every moment. Not just waste the day away. Secondly, we don't say hello on Rosh Hashanah. Why not? Because even though we're confident in Hashem, but it's inappropriate, there's a line that doesn't get crossed. Thirdly and importantly, we have the Minagirtashef, where we go to the waters, remind ourselves of those swelling waters that blocked Avram and Yitzhak. And how they kept on going. To realize that we've got to take all our thoughts in our mind that says don't serve Hashem and throw it into the water. Push it aside, ignore it and go forward. If we have this, then we have a taste of success that we all desperately want. Rabbis tell us that what is decided for the year is on Rosh Hashanah. That means that if we look back in the previous year and this person was blessed with this and this person got a terrible tragedy. All of that was decreed in Rosh Hashanah and sealed in Yom Kippur. All of that started from there. The Chazunish one time had a fly come and fly right into the room and was disturbing people. And the Chazunish turned and said it's a Rosh Hashanah fly. That's how a Jew looks at life. He understands that it's all from Hashem. So now when we approach our world, we approach the world of parnosah, of our sustenance, health, shalom bayis, everything we have around us. We have to know that it all depends on this moment now. All depends on Rosh Hashanah. Let's make the best of it. Let's use our heads and our hearts. Let's put in effort. Let's make this a Rosh Hashanah that is really going to be meaningful and one Be'ezrat Hashem that we're going to remember. I conclude with the following. Rosh Hashanah is called the head of the year. Why is it not called the beginning of the year? Why the head? Because what is the function of a head in your body? The head doesn't seem to be anything that does physically much. You don't pick up things with your head. You don't kick things with your head. You don't construct things with your head. But the head is the, the cockpit. The head is the headquarters of all the instructions that go out. Without the head, nothing else goes. Let's make Rosh Hashanah the head, the front the foremost, and please God, will be zoicha to a xivach sima and a to you. Thank you, Rav. Have a good one. Thanks, Shirley. Be gesund.